0: Wow, thank you so much. That's a warm welcome. I'll take it. Um, I just have a confession first, so I need prayer. So there's like a deep jealousy uh, that arises in me every time I'm here. So when Andre like breaks out in songs and then Stephen breaks out in songs and like, you know, I've done it once or twice, and my wife just kindly tells me that there's other things that I'm good at, <laughs> and that's not one of them, you know, so, and I, but I want to say one thing. There's one person in the whole world that does believe in my singing, and I just want to say, Mr. Jum Jum, I love you for that. <laughs> He's the only one that believes there's something there, so thank you, Tata, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> All right, so it's awesome to have you guys, man. I feel like the... The team arrived, it's just amazing. So I'm just having fun with you here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. So are you guys ready for this weekend? Yeah, I don't know if I am, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what the Lord does. All right. I just need to get this thing started. Okay, let's do that. All right. So open your Bible somewhere. Just, it's almost a prophetic conference, so go for it. <laughs> yeah all right so did you find it yet (laughs) okay Samuel ah look at uh, He saw the notes (laughs) it's up there okay Claire you were too fast where's Claire anyway so it was about last year we, we were actually sitting at our base in the village and um not knowing exactly what's coming and not knowing exactly what the Lord is going to start, you know, opening up for us. And, um, I, we had our prayer time. I can't remember if it was the whole team or just the the guys on the base that morning. And I remember I woke up and I, uh, you know, we, we prayed and I had this vision. I had this feeling and I heard the Lord say to me that, that he's awakening, um, a Samuel generation, you know, and, uh, when I heard that, I was so excited, and, and at that season, it was a lot about our, our youth, you know, that the Lord was really impacting in, in, in the lollies there, and it was amazing. I mean, we just saw a real awakening under the youth, but, but since then, that word has kind of, you know, kept on growing in my heart, and it's, it's I'm, I'm a little bit shame. Poor Daniel has been traveling me all over South Africa, so he, he, I think he's nervous, you know, if he if he hears Hosea 2.14, he's going to get really nervous because he's heard that thing like, you know, more than anybody should probably, but but anyway, out of that word, um, I felt like the Lord just started dealing with me personally um, about stuff, so tonight is about, you know, uh, releasing a word over you guys from here, and it might, might not be one-on-one, um, you know individual prophecy, but I do believe it's a corporate thing that, that the Lord is, is kind of releasing tonight, you know? And, um, and, and I want to just agree with, you know, the words that were released and so on, but I really feel in my heart that, that God's going to call some of you by name over this weekend. Yeah. It's like Samuel got called by his name, and that was the game changer, you know? And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but, but but I have an expectation that that he's going to do that this weekend. That some of you that are kind of sitting in a certain space, and God's just going to shout your name. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? Yeah. But you see, there, there's this secret in the life of Samuel that I want you guys to see. So when you look at Samuel in in First Samuel chapter two, um, we're going to read verse eleven. I'm just going to go through three verses in a short stretch of paper in the bible it's um first samuel two eleven. it says then alkanah that's that's his father uh, went to his house at ramah but the child ministered to the lord before eli the priest so that that's like a you know we all know how samuel got birthed you know so it was it was hannah's intercession basically that that produced you know this birthing that we just spoke about so, so nicely. So Hannah's crying out to the Lord, you know. And she's, she's barren. I mean, she's being made fun of. And she just sits and cries out to the Lord, right? And God responds to the cry, but her vow to the Lord is, listen, that whatever you birth in me, I would allow that to minister before you the rest of its life. Okay. So that's the vow. That's how it begins. And I'm probably not going to get everywhere, but the story blows my mind because there's a progression out of this, and I'm going to confuse myself maybe if I go for all of it. It's too much. But so Samuel is birthed out of travail. That's the point. Samuel is birthed out of a place of somebody sitting before the Lord and just saying, God, would you come? Would you come and just meet me where I am, Right. And, and then we see a couple of years later now, he's weaned and he's been sent to Eli. Eli represents an old priesthood, you know. Uh, and the first thing we read about the boys, but verse 11, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Then verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. 1 Samuel 3 verse 1, Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So, the first introduction to Samuel, three times in a row, it says, And Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Right? And Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Listen, if there's ever ever been a cry that I feel in my heart, and like I often say to people, if you know me well, um, I don't have a short... Like you guys are there as well. I don't want to forget about you and you guys. i like very bad at this thing. Hey. <laughs> so I'm, I don't have a lack of ideas, right? I'm not like a person that needs a lot of encouragement to figure things out to do in life. Like it's not hard for me to... Uh, Aviwe knows me now and the team like I wake up in the mornings and I'm like I have an idea and then they start laughing because then there's a lot of them coming out and half of them is not the Lord a lot of them is just awesome stuff that I think will be fun to do but it excites me you know I want to claim all of it is God I like so for me to to kind of you know be active in the field is is not hard uh, you understand it, it's, it's something it's a grace it's something God did in my life and And I love it. I love doing what we do. I love being in the villages. I love preaching in the nations. I love doing all the stuff that we do. But if we don't get back to the place of ministry unto the Lord, we're going to hit a serious bump in the road. We're going to hit a serious bump in the road. I don't care how anointed we are, how awesome we are, how great our gifts is, how big our following is. It doesn't matter. If we don't learn to minister unto the Lord, you know, something is going to go missing in who we are. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, set apart, right? Set apart. Every single one of us as a believer, you're called to be a priest unto the Lord. Jesus was the high priest, right? Who ascended and what did he leave behind? A royal priesthood. And what was the function of the priesthood? was ministry unto the Lord. Ministry unto the Lord. You know, this is Samuel's foundation. The whole, the whole journey that unlocks that, and this is a phenomenal journey, because you've got to remember that Samuel is kind of a, he's a pioneer in the prophetic in some sense in Scripture. Right? Moses was prophetic. All of them were prophetic. But Samuel was like recognized by everybody as this is a prophet. You know, this is what they do. Then Samuel started a prophetic school. You'll see in chapter 9 and 10 and so on. You see that that all these sons of the prophets were around Samuel. So Samuel pioneered something in terms of the prophetic. Right? he's He's a sign and a wonder. He's a prototype of something to come. So this guy starts something but the beginning years of Samuel starts in one place. He ministered unto the Lord. This is the same boy that would fall asleep while working in, 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 in the temple, in the tabernacle. He would just fall asleep in the glory basically, right? This is where Samuel finds himself when, when, when the voice comes, right? And you need to see this because remember you're a priesthood, Right? And I I love, like I said, I love the story because it's kind of, it's kind of strange because you see all of these awesome things. And then 1 Samuel 3, verse 7. I got you on that one, eh? Because I didn't give it to you. I'm sorry. 1 Samuel 3, verse 7. (laughs) 1 Samuel 3, verse 7. It says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's a shocker right there. Right, so this boy, listen, you you need we're gonna get into this. So, this boy, guy, young man has been ministering unto the Lord his whole life, yet he doesn't know God. Right, (laughs) there's another guy, um, he's kind of the main guy, right? He's the center of the whole story. His name is Jesus. So he rocks up in Revelation chapter 2, you know, all illuminated and shining like the sun and all of that. And he starts speaking to the churches, remember? So it's not on there. I'm sorry, I added that afterwards. I'm sneaky like that. So if. <laughs> so Revelation chapter 2. To the church in Ephesus, and we we all know the story. So I don't want to read the whole thing. Sorry, I just need to bookmark stuff, and because who knows? It's just not that anointed on the iPad as it is in the air. You know, it's not just not just not the same. You need to hear the yeah. And how do you make notes? I mean, you you can't make notes. Anyway, it says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, um. Write this. These are the words of the one who holds the seven stars, you know, all of that. Verse 2. So I I want you to listen to this. Just think of Samuel. Samuel's been doing all of this stuff his whole life, yet he doesn't know the Lord. Right? And, And this is Jesus speaking to who? All right. He's not speaking to unbelievers. Right? I don't know about you, but this has been my journey the last two, three months. Like, Often I would read Revelation chapter two and three, and I would go, you know, like the lukewarm church, you know that one? Chapter three. And I would be like, Yeah, you know, that, you know had church down the street from here, that one. Oh man, they are so lukewarm. Or I would go, you know, ah, oh, you know, I'm so glad I'm not I'm not cold and I'm definitely not lukewarm. At least I've got it. But that friend of mine, that, let's just be honest, like that oak is a little lukewarm, you know, but but I've got this thing, you know, luckily. I'm on fire, right? And, and you know how we, let's be honest, we kind of, we kind of do that sometimes. And, and then we read Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I even preached that as a funeral the other day. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And it's awesome preaching for unbelievers. But the problem is he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to us. And then he goes, and, and a while back I'm like, yeah, but it's for church. He's like, yeah, so who's that? You know? So when he speaks to the church's Ephesus, could you put yourself in there for a minute? Just put yourself in the story, just for a minute, right? And just, let's just be raw before the Lord a little bit. And he goes, he says, I know your deeds and your toil, right? And your patient endurance, and that you, cannot tolerate those who are evil and i have tested and crit- critically appraised those who call themselves apostles and are not. And I found them to be liars and imposters. And I know that you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary. Okay? So, so Jesus goes off on a list of things and he's going, you guys are... Awesome. You know, you, I mean, this list of things that they tick as a church, there's not a lot of churches in the world that can go, hmm, yeah, we've got this, you know, we're doing pretty good here. Awesome, look at us, you know. And he goes through this list of awesome things, amazing things that these guys are doing. And again, stop thinking about a body of people think it's you, it's us, it's us. He's speaking to us. He's he's ticking this list. You're awesome. You're you're winning souls, and you've done a hundred crusades this year. And oh my gosh, we've healed so many sick people, and we've done this, and we've planted churches, and we've we've moved around and we've tithed like crazy, and we've given above our tithes offerings, and we've attended prayer meetings, and we're serving, and we're having home sales, and we're we're just gunning. Oh my gosh, we are flipping awesome, you know. We're, we're doing the stuff and And he's just, you're awesome, great. You're not backing down. In fact, you're speaking out against those false apostles. You're taking a stand for what's wrong. Later on, he speaks of the Nicolaitans, which is an interesting bunch of people. I don't exactly know who they are. One theory is that it was started by a guy who actually got born again in Acts chapter 6, whose name was Nicholas, right? And they went off into Gnosticism. Big words. But the point is, so they started compromising. So they would, because the Roman culture was filled with idolatry, filled with all of this stuff. And they would start compromising about taking a stand. The Nicolaitans—they would compromise, like mix Christianity with, with you know, with idol worship a little bit. And then Jesus commends them. He says, "You guys are brilliant. You, 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 you don't like them as well. I really don't like them, and you don't like them as well. So you, you guys are awesome." You guys are taking your stand against the social issues of the day and you're just, you know, knocking it out of the park. It's like Samuel. He's been serving the house of the Lord all his life. Yet he doesn't know the Lord. You know? And, and the next minute, he turns the tide in, in this chapter in verse 4. We all know it. He say, I mean, do you get this is awesome stuff that we are doing? This is awesome. And he goes, but... But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The Amplified says you have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. And listen to this, it gets worse. Are you ready? Verse 5. So remember the heights from which you have fallen. And repent. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lamp, lampstand. This is sobering stuff. It's like, it's like, guys. And and this is it. If if you are, if you hear Jesus and this is like angry, you know, like, you're you're missing the point. You're missing the point. This is like, when I, when I read this, I hear him going, "Hink, you know what? You, you're doing awesome. But listen, buddy, you've, you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. I want to tell you, I, you need to repent, man. I don't want you to lose your lampstand. What is your lampstand? That's your influence. I don't want you to lose your lampstand. I'm proud of you for what you're doing, but you've actually fallen from a pretty high place. And it's the place of first love. It's the place of first love. And the Lord's saying, listen, guys, I, I want you there. That's what I want. Like, you know, Martha and Mary, Luke, what is it, 10, 41, I think. Martha, Martha, you're busy with much serving. Yet Mary has chosen the one thing. And she sat at the feet of Jesus. You know, busy with much serving. And the Lord's going, I need you here now. Because what does he say to her? He says, the seasons will change. It will change. But now, this is what I require. I want to tell you, and I am like very convinced that this is what the Lord is calling us to in this season as the body of Christ. I'm telling you, God is saying, I need you Here. I need you at my feet. I need you at my feet. You know, the same Mary that we read about here, if you read um, Matthew chapter 26, you should know this by now. Matthew chapter 26, it's the same Mary. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. We all know the story, right? He's sitting with the disciples and they're getting ready for the biggest moment in world history, which is the cross, right? This It's building up, right? And he's going, guys, it's going to happen. And they're going, no, it's not. And he's like, well, it's happening. <laughs> Whatever you say, this is going to happen, right? And they're sitting in this room. The apostles are there. I mean, the big boys are you know, surrounding Jesus, they're having a meal, he's, you know, talking, Peter's going, no way, this is not happening, I've got my sword sharpened, you know, the whole thing. All of this is happening. And the next minute, Mary of Bethany, the same one, she bursts into the room, right? We all know the story. She runs in, she takes her flask of spikenard, which is worth a year of wages. I want you to think about that. Uh, somebody came to me the other day, I think they said it's like 56,000 US dollars, that's what it would be worth. So that's that's a good salary right there, right? So well for me. So she <laughs> anyway, so she runs in, she takes, she takes a a year's worth of work, right? So I want you to see that real quick in your in your mind's eye. Just a year's worth of labor, or she took a year off, however, you want to see it. However, you want to see it. She takes that. She runs into the room. She breaks it open, o- open over Jesus. From his head to his toes, she anoints him. She balms him, right? It's the most extravagant worship expression that somebody can do. And the apostles look at this and they go, what a waste, <laughs> right? Not, not the Pharisees. You need to get this. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the Pharisees that went, oh, no, look at this. No, it, it's, it's the 12. It's... The boys. And they're going, what a waste. Oh, you're wasting so much time on this thing, man. This prayer and ministering unto the Lord thing. Dude, you need to get out a little bit. You're taking it too far. You're just going too far right now, right? And, and, and then the, the, the kicker, you know, we could have you know, used this money for the poor, Right? which is really brilliant because, yes, we could. We could have done a crusade. We could have planted a church. We could have done a hundred things, right? All this money just got wasted, right? And Jesus Jesus turns around and he turns the tables and he goes, listen, (laughs) he goes, this is what I wanted. And then the line of lines, right? And he makes a statement there that, that should tell us something. He says, wherever, wherever the gospel is preached, tell the story. Like this, no, no, you're not getting it. Jesus just went and took the gospel story of salvation. The biggest event in history. And he says, I want you to get something. Wherever you preach that, remember to tell about what this woman did. That is what I want. That is what I want. This is what I long for. This is what I desire. Minister unto me. Minister unto me. Don't forget your first love. Remember this. Right? Jesus just turns the whole thing upside down. And he's going, I need you back here in this place. I need you in this place. Like, you guys are great. You're doing awesome. This is me now. And he goes, but I have this one thing against you. What height you have fallen from. What heights you have fallen from. Yeah. You know. And listen, I'm not rebuking you. I'm not trying to put condemnation on you. I'm just trying, this is where I am at. I've been repenting for like how long now? I don't know, a month or two straight. I'm just like, oh Lord, just possess me. Just possess me, Lord. I just wanna worship. I wanna love you. I wanna minister unto you. I wanna do the one thing. I just, this is where I wanna be right now is I long to be in the face of God. I don't have another option. I like, I, the other night I tried to preach about something else in a church in Cape Town. I just couldn't. I'm like, this is where I am. I'm sorry. I'm going to annoy you whenever you listen to me. This is it right now. This is it. What, what's the point? Right? Why does he want worship? Why does he want intimacy? Because we get changed. I get transformed from glory to glory. Right? We get transformed from glory to glory. It's for me. I'm the one who's transformed. I'm the one who becomes love. Right? I'm the one who starts looking like the one. Because of proximity, because of crying out to God, because of going, God, this is all I desire right now is this. You know? Back to Samuel's story. So, before I go to Samuel, so the word toil is important, right? I see your toil, okay? And, and it's kind of a compliment, but it's kind of not. <laughs> it's like, I see your toil, <laughs> which is kind of weird that Jesus goes, that's a good thing. No, it's not. It's like, no, I see your toil. It's like, yeah, it's not really great. We all know we want rest and all of that stuff. It's amazing. In Ezekiel 44, right? Write it down, because so I didn't give it to them, 11 to 18. Uh, the Lord speaks through Ezekiel to the priesthood of the day, right? And he speaks to the priesthood and he says to him, listen, um, basically you're fired. That's, you're, the Levites, you're fired. I'm not impressed because you're busy with idolatry. You're, you're, and, and this is what he says in those verses. I'm not going to read all of it. He actually says, my problem is this, you are ministering unto the people the whole time and then he goes and he says I'm sorry guys but I'm, I'm removing you I'm removing your lampstand and then he says I'm raising up this new company of people called the Zadok priesthood and then he starts speaking about these guys he says you're going to do this and you're going to do that and, and the main thing that he says to them is you're going to minister Unto me. You're going to minister unto me. That's like the main thing. He says, this is what I'm removing. People ministering unto people. I want you to minister unto me. And this is what's going to happen. And then he goes on and he says this bizarre thing to them, right? It's so funny. He says, I think it's verse 17. I just need to find it. Okay. Let's read. I think it's verse 17. It says, they shall enter into my sanctuary. And they shall come near to my table to minister to me. And they shall perform the duty to me. It shall be that when they enter the gates of the inner courtyard, this is interesting, they shall be clothed in linen garments. No wool shall be on them while they minister at the gates of the inner courtyard and within the temple. It's a weird thing. eh? Then he goes, verse 18. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments on their loins. They shall not dress themselves with anything which makes them sweat. (laughs) Right? What was the point? No toil in my presence. No toil. Right? He's going, guys... I'm calling you to me, and I need you to be with me. And it's not works, it's not sweat, it's not I did this, I did that. It's we're going to be together. I just want you to learn to be with me. Just sit at my feet, watch my face, and be quiet for a while. That's how you get pregnant, by the way. That's how you get impregnated by the word of the Lord, is when you sit there. You sit there, and you behold the face of the one. He says, no toil, guys. Remove the wool. Right. How many of us are sitting with wool garments? Oh, we're just sweating this thing out, man. We are like, oh, Jesus... Flip, I'm almost dying, but look what I'm doing for you. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's great. I just didn't order that, but that's awesome. Thank you for trying. But that's actually not at all what I asked for right now. I'm asking you to sit with me. Just be with me. And we're going, oh boy, look at me. I'm so, it's like 45 degrees outside, but look at me, Lord. Lord's going, you poor thing. You're so cute. I love you. Your passion, Marfa. you're awesome. But I need Mary now. I just. Can we just calm down a little bit, you know? I don't know if he might feel like that sometimes. I've got awesome kids, but every now and again I just feel just just calm down. Just just, just sit there, just calm down. We're good. I love you. Just calm down. Everything is okay. Just be there, you know, <laughs> with me, but just be there, you know, just right? And I think that's kind of what he's going to us. He's just like, guys, can you just change the garments here? Just change the garments. Can we stop sweating? <laughs> sweating to hear. My voice so that you can prophesy over someone. Sweating so that we can produce a miracle, which is not us in any way. So what's the point? Sweating for this and sweating for that and, you know, sweating for everything. And what happens is we become a bunch of people out of rest. They're all over the place and the God's just going, hey, just I'm calling you. I want you to love me. Just love me. Don't fall from the heights. Don't fall from the high place, you know. Samuel got this. From a young age, he got this. And then finally, that voice comes. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. It's just a good story, isn't it? You know, here's the voice. No clue it is. Goes to Eli. Eli's like, I just want to sleep. Can you go? Just you're annoying. Go back to bed. You know, that's actually what he said. I read the Hebrew no, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> and it happens a couple of times, and then Eli is like, okay, like, it's the Lord. Just next time, just respond this way. Say, yes, Lord. Here am I. Speak. And here's the beauty. Listen, Samuel was fast asleep. He wasn't working for this. It wasn't like him trying to make this thing happen. He was just doing what we do, out of the bottom of his heart, not knowing the Lord at all. And he's <laughs> just like, "This is the right thing to do," which is awesome. It's awesome. And then finally, this voice comes, and he's awakened. He's awakened in one moment, one, one time. He hears the voice of God, and Samuel is awakened to a different person. And he goes from ordinary to not knowing God to knowing the Lord to just soaring in the kingdom, just being catapulted into a whole different sphere of anointing and prophetic that the nation of Israel has never seen. One moment of the voice of God, one moment. But even Samuel, in his not knowing the Lord, if we look at 1 Samuel 2:18, wore what? A linen ephod. Even he got it. No sweat in the presence. No sweat in trying to make this thing happen. We are resting in the Lord. And out of rest, His voice thunders. And out of rest, it's a whisper sometimes. Why why was it only a whisper with Elijah on that mountain? What was the point? I want your ear close to my heart. That's it. I want your ear close to my heart. That's the prophetic. Prophets walk like this. Prophets live in intimacy. That's where we want to be. All of us should be in that place because we're priests first. First, you're a priest. First, you're a priesthood. First, this is who we are. We minister unto the Lord. And as we do it, something is released. 1 Samuel 3, verse 19 to 21, it says, So Samuel grew. By the way, if you're not growing spiritually, check your ministry unto the Lord. No, brother, I hit a wall. I hit a plateau. I hit a, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, man. It's this or it's that. Yeah, maybe. But are you ministering unto the Lord? Are the people wearing you out? (laughs) And they do sometimes. Oh, sheep. Right? If you're not growing, how's the heart? How's the ministry unto the Lord in this season? Right? It's not condemning. It's it's just like, I want to hear. It's like Jesus just going, guys, listen. Hey, here I am. Like, please don't fall from the heights. Can we get back to that place? Come on. This is actually simple. Remember what you did in the beginning? Remember your works that you did at first. What did you do at first? How simple, wasn't it? Just simple. We just love Jesus. Just love Jesus. 'll never forget it in 2014, man, we're ministering uh I ministered at this church in Cape Town, and you know they anyway, they back then they said they're in a revival anyway, so I got invited to minister there and mean it's it's wild, you know people are the cripples are running up and down, you know Jesus healing them. it was just awesome. we had so much fun. and um I'm sitting in that place and the next moment I feel like the Lord. Um, just pull on my heart a little bit, you know, like lots of stuff going on and churches opening up and it's kind of like, you know, things are, things are happening, you know. And, um, and what I used to do when, when I didn't, when nobody knew me and I was just me and, you know, me. And <laughs> and because uh, I like just me, you know, i actually kind of a cave person. <laughs> so, you know, so I just, that's what I did. I spent time with God my, the first couple of years. I just spent time with the Lord. Like, you know, my friends would have birthday parties and I would just be at home, just in the Word, just spending time with the Lord. Just loved it. I would go at my, my, my idea of fun was I would go to a coffee shop on my own and, and go and sit down there and I would sit and order myself a coffee. I, I do like coffee. And I would drink my coffee and I would imagine that he's sitting there. I would put a chair in and, um, you know, and my whole coffee would just be, it would just be me and Jesus. That was it. It was just like, we were just, hanging out, you know. And sometimes he didn't speak and sometimes I looked like a nutcase. I didn't really care. And um, that's how it started, you know. And then in 2014, the season opens up and things are just, you know, up and down, people running, healings, yay. And and I hear him, I, I just hear him say one morning in my prayer time, I just literally, this is what I hear, he says, I miss our coffees. And I just go, oh Lord, you know. Mess this thing up, you know. I miss our coffees. Not the size of the meetings. I just, I miss just being with you. I just miss that, you know. If you want to grow, how is your coffees with the Lord? How well is that going? You know, it says Samuel grew. Why? Because he ministered unto the Lord. And the Lord was with him. Isn't that the ultimate reward? the lord is with you i know he's with us we have the theology but is it experientially true like do people go when they're in your presence and they go oh man there's just something about this guy like god is with him the presence of the lord is with this guy you know like that's like my i'm being vulnerable my 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 dream is literally i want to sit and i want people to just I just want to sit and have coffee with people or talk with people and like heaven would become so thick around me that they cannot not, believer or unbeliever, they cannot not know that God is here. That's my heart's cry. Imagine I don't have to speak. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And the king would just... That's the cry of my heart. And God was with him. And it says, And none of his words fell to the ground. <laughs> what a prophetic ministry. It's like for the rest of your life, not one of your words is amiss. Not one. Yeah. Like every single word that you prophesy comes into being because it's literally out of the mouth of God. You see, that, that is, to me, the goal of this thing is a prophetic that, that unlocks the heart of God over people's lives. And they actually literally can bank on that word. Because the Lord spoke. That's who I want to become. That's who I think the prophetic needs to be. is a people that present him so well, that he's so just clothed in the presence of the Lord, just purified by the fire of his presence, that when we speak... It's the word of the Lord. It's not showmanship. It's not this or that, but it's like, you know, when God speaks to Isaiah and he says, I'm going to tell you this thing. I'm going to move this nation around and I'm going to use Cyrus and I'm going to use this and that so that when it happens, so that when it happens, that people will go and say, but only the Lord could have known this is possible. No man could have known that this would happen. You see, that's what we want, right? We want this powerful prophetic movement of people that will be awakened by the voice of the Lord and not one of their words fall to the ground. Because it's, it's, been, it's been refined in the fire. We've been refined in the fire of His presence, right? We all want the fire of God. We all want the fire. We want the fire. We want, we want the power. But we have to sit in the fire of His presence. And it's awesome and it's beautiful and it's lovely, but it's also exposing your own heart and you go, oh yes, I didn't know that's in there. And it's not a rebuke, it's the Lord going, come buddy, I want us to go back to that high place. Let's go, let's go. Come on, I'm showing you this because we've got somewhere to go. I'm not angry with you, I'm counselling you, I'm encouraging you, I'm telling you, this is my heart for you, come up here, right? That's what the Lord is doing. And not one of His words fell to the ground. It goes on and it says, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established. Say established. Established. What established him? Ministry unto the Lord. Ministry unto the Lord established him. By the way, if you have a gift on your life, you don't have to tell me about it. I'll see it. If you have a gift on your life, let the body see it and go, oh, okay, you've been with Jesus. I can see that. Your words are not falling to the ground. I can see that. That's who He is. That's what happens to ordinary people just being with Jesus. Just being with Jesus. That's the beauty of this thing. It's not toil. It's not hard. It's, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. You know, one of my, uh, I need to contain myself. One of my favorite stories at this moment is Abram's intercession in Genesis chapter 18, 19, 17, or 21. I'm not sure. You go and figure it out, all right? It's not in in there. Whatever. It's somewhere there. Just go and check it out, right? So what's happening there? Okay, so, so just one of those ordinary days where God and two other friends show up, rock up at Abram's tent. Remember? Yeah. Just like, hey, Abram, I was in the neighborhood. Thought we would check in. So how are you? And it's not like in a vision because he actually had to prepare food for them. These guys were hungry. (laughs) Physically. Right? Hello? Yeah, just another ordinary day in the Bible. And we go, oh, we've got boring lives. We do compared to them. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so God rocks up. They have this story and reminding him of the covenant and the promise and you're going to be awesome and all of that. And then God is about to leave. And I I love what happens. And he turns around and he goes, angst-free version, right? Go and read it for yourself. But basically, this is what happens. The Lord goes, I wonder. Oh, man. He says, should I tell Abram, my friend, of the secret that is in my heart? I just read that the other day I couldn't not weep. I'm just like, Lord, oh Lord, please find a friend in me. Find someone in me that you feel you can share your secrets with. And the Lord goes, you know what? I think I should tell him what I want to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. Because this guy is going to be great. He's going to, this is what he says about him. It's so beautiful. He says he's going to teach his children and his children's children about my ways. And then God goes, Abram, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. (laughs) And Abram starts interceding. And Abram goes, Lord, but what if there's 50? And The Lord goes, Abram, man, I like your heart. That's why I could tell you. He says, if there's 50, I won't do it. And he keeps going on and on. And Abram at some point, I think Abram started making the calculations. Maybe he saw the expression on the Lord. It's like the Lord went, no worries, buddy. 50, sure, we'll save them. And he's like down to 10 at some point. He's like, 10 now? I'm saving that city for 10. And then he wipes up the whole village. What's the point? There weren't 10. Yeah. There weren't 10. There weren't 10. But the point is, he found a friend in Abram and he said, hey, I can share my secrets with this guy. He gets my heart. That's how not one of your words falls to the ground. That's how. That's what changes in us. The other guy that... Just Can I just calm everybody down? I just want to give you one more verse. Because I know... You're going, oh, we're not going anywhere. We're sitting in his London for the rest of our lives now. Thank you, Hank. No. (laughs) Acts 13, verse 2. Listen to this. Listen to this. While they were ministering unto the Lord and fasting. Do you see the pattern? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. The greatest movement of revival broke out because they ministered unto the Lord. And the biggest missions movement in the world started, church planting movement through Paul and Silas. Paul and Barnabas starts in that moment. Why? It was birthed out of, let's minister unto the Lord. Let's minister unto the Lord. Right, if you look at revival history, because we all want revival, right? Yes. right. We all, we preach it, we talk about it. I've been preaching it for 15 years, no longer, 17, I don't know, forever. How long ever I'm saved that long, right? I'm not changing my mind at all. I still believe it's coming. But here's the thing. I, haven't, I have not seen one revival movement that wasn't birthed out of ministry unto the Lord in a deep, intense season. Deep and intense seasons of ministering unto the Lord. And that produced the breakout that everybody was looking for. Evan Roberts, he was interceding the Welsh Revival. Remember the Welsh Revival, the the stories that five-year-olds and six-year-olds would sit and talk to each other. It's one of my favorite stories. And the one boy would look to the other one and and he said to him, Do you know who moved into town? Did you hear? And the boy would go, No, I don't know. He says, No, Jesus moved into town. Now, that's, that's, that's revival. That's revival. If six years old say, listen, I can see that Jesus moved into this place. Something rocked up and it's never been the same again. That, that's the move of God. It, it rocked the nation. I just heard it today. They said that um, there was a census done in 1906. The revival was 1904 to 1905. Remember, this thing was so widespread that soccer stadiums shut down on Sundays they did not want to play anymore. They don't want to play soccer anymore. They wanted to be with Jesus, right? Real, true story, recorded. In the 1906 Welsh census, 100% of peoples in Wales said that they walked with Jesus, 100% of a nation. That is phenomenal. 100% of the nation said they are believers in Jesus Christ because of a movement that broke out in 1904, 1905. But what preceded the breakout was Evan Roberts' Like, they, <laughs> they send him because he would travail and pray and minister unto the Lord so much. It was so intense. His parents thought he was absolutely out of his mind, right? He was 24 years old, and he would just sit and minister unto the Lord. You would walk by his room, and you would hear of his groaning and, you know, just crying out to God for months. Then he attended theological school, right? And, he, and while the guys would teach, Evan would just fall off his chair, and he would just start crying as he's just groaning before the Lord for, for the Lord to come, just ministering unto the Lord. They send him to a doctor. This is the story, right? So, because they, they thought he's out of his mind, they send him for psychological evaluation, right? And he came back and they, they, they diagnosed him with um, what was it like extreme, extreme religious syndrome. That was the diagnosis, right? Like basically this guy is a religious nut, just leave the thing alone, right? And so so this is the guy, then he goes around, he's like, can I preach in your church? And everybody's like, uh." (laughs) no, thank you, right? And then they (laughs) they give him the youth, they're like, just go and play with the youth, just sort out the youth, right? Can't do too much damage to the offerings or something. I don't know. Just, just go and be with them, right? Anyway, so he, this 24 year old guy is having prayer meetings with 15 and 17 year olds. That's it. For months. And they're travailing before the Lord until one day he's standing in a service and the guy's preaching and Evan is sitting in the front row and he just goes the next minute, he just breaks before God. He just couldn't help himself. And he just go, God, bend us, Lord, bend us. And as he says it, he starts bending over the benches and the next minute the Holy Spirit breaks out and the Welsh revival starts through a 26-year-old and a 15 to 17-years-old who spent their days Seeking the face of God. And the movement was sparked. Not one of his words fell to the ground, Samuel. Samuel's greatest legacy, oh man, is a young man with the name David. I mean, God looks at David and he says, Listen, I'm going to call Jesus my son. I'm going to call him the son of David. I mean, the Lord looks at this guy, this little nobody, and he goes, this guy's got a heart after me. And he says, I'm going to make him king one day. Nobody, nobody had a clue who he was. No one had a clue. Saul was running with this thing. And God says, you know what? There's this little guy. Young boy out in the field. That's the one I want. You know why? Because he's going to seek my presence. He's going to seek my presence. David, Psalm 27, verse 4. This is, we all know it, but just listen to his words. He says, one, one thing. That's it right there. One thing. One thing I've asked of the Lord. And that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon the beauty and majesty of the Lord and that I may meditate in his temple. He says, basically says, this is my life. This is the only thing I desire is I want to dwell, I want to gaze and I want to meditate on the Lord. I just want to be with him. I want to be with him. And David becomes a sign and a wonder to all of us. With all these very public mistakes. Very public. <laughs> it's like, can't hide those ones. And he's so happy I didn't live in the Bible because boy, oh boy, it would be out there, boom, like the times it was written, like, you know. very public. But the Lord goes, that's what I want. I mean, the Lord is so radical in Amos 9, free translation. The Lord says, and I, you can see I'm erect. I'm holding it. I'm doing my best to kind of not break down in front of you. But he says in Amos 9, he says, And in those days, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. And the Gentiles, those who are far off, they would come in. And then in Acts chapter 15, James, the brother of Jesus, he stands up after hearing what the Lord is doing among the Gentiles. And he stands up and he says, this is what was said by the prophet Amos. And I will restore the tabernacle of David because one thing I desire. One thing, Lord. One thing. We, we, we want the prophetic. We want this thing this weekend. We, we want to see a move of God. We want to see all of this stuff. But I'm telling you, this is it. This is the birthing place of everything. You know, those 12 guys that ran with Jesus were incredible. I don't care what we think of them. They were, they were something. They watched his life, the life of Christ on earth. They watch his life. You know what? I didn't ask him how to teach us how to raise the dead. I didn't ask, teach us how to heal the sick. They saw that. They didn't ask, you know, give us that lesson about how to multiply food and walk on water. That's not what they asked. After all the time they spent with him, they all go at some point and they say, teach us how to pray. Teach us that. Because we are figuring you out. And that, that's the key. That's the key right there. That's the key. Would you teach me how to do that, Lord? Would you teach me how to do that? It was a presence-centered people. We are to be a presence-centered company of people. Sacrifice and offerings I do not want, but I desire an open ear so that I can speak deep in your spirit, so that you will become my bond slave for life. Psalm 40, verse 6. He's looking for open ears. He's looking for open hearts in this season. People that will say, the one thing is what I want. This is what I want, Lord. I'm willing to not toil. By the way, toiling is not fun. I I don't know why we always fight for it. It's like, you can actually just be with Jesus. Why the heck are we struggling to just, you know? It's like, the Lord tells me, just be with me. I'm like, ooh, this is so exciting. And then I do a million things. I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? Why are we struggling? You know, those villages of ours, they need the presence of God to rest upon our lives. They need to see it. They need to smell it. They need to taste it. That's the life. That's what we need. We need a people that's going to cry out to God for East London and the Transkei and South Africa and the Eastern Cape. We need a company of people that's just going to sit before the Lord and lay it down and not sweat. Remove the wool clothes. So let's stand together if you don't mind. Okay, I love you guys. You know that, right? Yeah? I'm not angry. Nobody's. We all love each other. Okay, good. All right. If you're offended, you shouldn't be. You really shouldn't be. This is an invitation by the Lord. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. So so what do we do now? I don't know. (laughs) This is what I want us to do. I want us to be with Jesus for a while. Tomorrow we're going to lay hands on everything that moves. Okay, is that cool? (laughs) Tonight I want us to honor Him, be with Him, give our hearts to Him. Some of too many of us we've got wool clothes on, and we are sweating in the presence. We're like, Whoa, "This is this is hard," and He's going, "I want those linen ephods on you guys. No sweat in my presence. No sweat. No sweat." And some of us, we're sweating because of the past. We're sweating because of guilt. We're sweating because of a million things. Like just stuff laying us bare, just exhausting us. And there's this king going, I just want to have a coffee with you, man. And you go, I'm not worthy. He's like, I don't really care. I still want to have coffee with you. I want to hang out with you. I I want you to sit at my feet. And we go, but there's so much to do. You know, we're all morphos. Oh, there's so much to do. We can't do this. And he's just like, shh, clalapanzi, sit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sit at my feet. Yeah, but what about this? What about that? Oh, that's such a wasteful expression. And he goes, let's tell the story. <laughs> it's just, you know what? It's like typical Jesus, like everybody's complaining and going, what a waste. And he's like, no, no, let's just, guys, let's just tell this all over the world until I come back. All right? This is what we're going to do with this story, just to show you how I feel. (laughs) Let's just tell everybody about Mary. Right? Some of us, we're not growing because we're not in the presence. We're not ministering unto the Lord. We're, and listen, I, I cannot emphasize this enough in my own heart. I, I, I want to shout at you, but I, I want you to catch my heart. We're not growing because we're not ministering unto the Lord. That's it. Stop blaming your family. Stop blaming this one and that one and this. No, it's just get back to his feet. Let's just get back to his feet, man. Let's just waste our lives on Jesus. He will listen. He is awesome at telling you what to do and when to do it. He does not have a problem with commanding us, right? He's like really good at that. Just read the Bible, he doesn't have an issue, and he will get the message through. But what if this is a season, a month, two months, three months, a year? Who cares? And he's just going, Would you sit at my feet? Would you just be David a little bit? Just be like David. Be like Mary. Be like Samuel. And what if out of that, not one of your words falls to the ground? What if out of that, every person you lay your hands on get healed? What if out of that, we start getting heavenly downloads that just fills the world with new plans and ideas and things that's going to produce kingdom? This is what we need right now. The world needs people that know what we are talking about because they sat in the fire. They sat in the presence of the Lord. That's what the world needs, right? So I want you to, however you want to do it, I don't want you to sit on your chair unless you are older <laughs> or injured. If you can, sit on the floor, come out, sit somewhere, just Whatever you need to do, bow down, whatever. Just sit with the Lord a minute. And let's just remove the wool clothes. What is that stuff you are carrying that is so heavy, man? Do you need to forgive someone? Forgive, please. Just forgive. We just want Jesus. Can we just forgive and get Jesus? Just really. Just just forgive and get Jesus. Let's get it done with. Why are we so difficult? Do you need to repent? Repent. Repent you have idols in your life? Let's just be, I mean, it's you and God. Nobody else knows. It is a prophetic conference, you never know. But, (laughs) right? Nobody else knows. Just be real with Jesus and just go, Lord, I'm the church. I'm the church. What's up in my heart, Lord? Right, let's just do it. So just sit down, relax, come forward, go to the back, lie down. I don't know, whatever is good for you. So, Lord, we bow our knees before you right now. I mean, you are the Lord of lords. You're, you are the desire of our hearts. We are here for you. We know it. I know we're here for you, Lord. No one in this room is here because of we want you. But, Lord, if we got a little bit carried away, if we just got a little bit misguided with stuff, and, and it's not even evil intent, I know our hearts were trying to do the right thing we just want to sit in your presence tonight and just say Lord we surrender the things that's making us sweat right now I surrender my past I surrender the feeling or the need to embrace I surrender a competition spirit comparing myself to others I surrender, prioritizing other things above you. like Lord, I have time for everything in the world, but I don't have time to spend with you. I have time for my hobbies. I have time for my TV shows. I have time for my food and my YouTube and my Facebook. And yet I somehow don't have time for you, Lord. From what heights have we fallen? Lord, I don't even hear condemnation when you say that to me. I I hear like a reminder. It's a reminder of a place in your heart that was so glorious that I wouldn't exchange it for anything in the world. I don't hear an angry Jesus when you say this to me, Lord. I hear a loving father that says, buddy, come up here. I've got something better for you. I'm sorry for sweating in your presence. I want to race tonight. I want to minister unto you. So just for a minute or two, just speak to the Lord. Just speak to him. Just pour your heart out before him. Just tell him you love him. Tell him the one thing that you desire. Tell him, Lord, I want to sit at your feet. Ah, oh, Jesus, like David, like Psalm 63, I'm in a dry and weary land and there is no water. There is no water. There is no water, Lord. What David is saying, hey, I've checked out this planet and it's pretty disappointing when it comes to satisfaction. And Lord, I want to declare with David, I realize even with all the blessing that we have, of all the good things, it's still pretty depressing. It's unsatisfactory without you. And then he says, I long to see the face of my God. I long to see the face of my God. And Lord, I think everybody in this room, this is what we're saying tonight. We just, we long to see your face. Just minister, keep ministering, don't stop. Just minister. Thank you, Jesus. You wreck our hearts. Wreck our hearts. Get hold of us, Lord. Get hold of us, Lord. Get hold of us. One thing, until it's only the one thing, until we can declare with all our hearts Psalm 27:4, one thing I desire, one thing I ask of the Lord. And this is it, I want to dwell, I want to gaze, and I want to meditate upon the beauty, the grandeur, the the wonder. I want to sit in the temple of the Lord. I want to dwell in your presence, Lord. One thing, Lord, one thing that I want, God. I want you. I want you, Jesus. I want you. I don't need a limelight. I don't need a spotlight. I don't need a platform. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would ruin us with first love, that we would be just lost in love once again, just like giddy and all over the show because we just love Jesus. We're just loving Jesus and we feel the presence of God around us because we're consumed with the one. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, come into my heart. Lord, possess me with first love. Oh, I want to be possessed by first love. I want to see Jesus when I wake up. I want to see Jesus when I eat my lunch. I want to see Jesus when I fall asleep. I want to be Jesus all around me, everywhere. Jesus, 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 Your presence, Your glory, Your goodness, Your wonder. Because You deserve it, Lord. You deserve all our worship. And I just give it to You tonight, Lord. I surrender my agendas. Speak to me, Lord. Awaken me. Awaken me like you awoke Samuel. Just awaken us, God. I pray would you whisper our names tonight. Just whisper people's names. Whisper people's names tonight. Roof, I don't know if there's a roof, but I hear God speaking to you. He's whispering your name. I heard Susan the whole night, before we started in worship. Susan, God is just calling you. Ben. John. Hmm? Jason. Jason. The Lord is just calling people. He's calling your name. He's just calling your name. He's just going, wake up, boy. I've got a destiny for you. Wake up, daughter. It's the Lord. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. My Lord, we are expectant. We say, Lord, come. As we let go of the sweat, open our ears. I want you to put your hands on your ears. Just as a sign, just a prophetic sign. Just say, Lord, open my ears. Open my ears. Give me an ear to hear. Give me an ear to hear. Give me an ear to hear, Lord. Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says, And you make my tongue like that of a ready writer. Because each morning you awaken my ear and you speak to me. Lord, make our tongues like ready writers in this season. There will be accurate words, Lord. Prophetic, poetic, out of the heart of God that will... Unlock destiny over people's lives because you awaken our ear every morning and you speak to us. Say, Lord, awaken my ear. Awaken my ear, Lord. Awaken my heart, Lord. Yeah. So Jesus, we just pour out our hearts. We worship You. We worship You. We worship You, Jesus jesus Sure. one of the things that i forgot is that it says in first samuel 3 verse 20 it says that and the lord visited samuel in shiloh by the way shiloh means place of rest so this is what i want you to get here that samuel became God's place of rest on the face of the earth. Right, It's like the Lord found a place where he could rest. He could rest on this man. It's like in Abram, he found a friend. Let me share my secrets with you. Lord, we want to be those that you share your secrets with.